0: Hailing frequencies open and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I'll say it if nobody else is going to, illusions, Michael. A trick is something Laura does to his brother Data. Joining me on the show as usual is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back.
1: Thank
0: you. How are you this week?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Um, a little bit, a little bit more homework than usual this week. Yeah. Um, and then really, it was just me waiting for this episode to drop. So now, I now I feel, I feel better and worse.
0: I hear uh, processing. I hear uh, uh, digital wheels turning uh, from the other end of the line here.
1: Oh yeah. Can you yeah. hear me okay or is it just annoying? Okay. <laughs> no, I
0: hear your mind working. Uh so
1: Oh my mind.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> or not I working some, as the case may be.
1: I have some be. things to say. Well, yeah, hold on, so hold on to the them. Time.
0: <laughs> hold on to those <laughs> things. We'll get to those in just a second. Also joining us once again on Discoverage. He's a former guest on Enterprising Individuals as well. It's Thad hate of the Delta Flyer podcast. Every week on Delta Flyer, Thad and his co-host Stuart go episode by episode through Star Trek Voyager. Thad, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, it's great to be back.
0: It's great to have you here. Uh, I started a rewatch of Voyager myself currently, and I haven't gotten very far yet. Uh, It's a well-known fact that Trek series usually need a year or two to really find their feet. Can you say where that point is for Voyager, where Voyager really starts to take off?
2: I would say probably partway through the second season is when it starts to get better. Uh, I, I... I think there are some really good standout moments of the first season, but they were still definitely trying to figure things out. Pretty much once Neelix and Tom Paris stop having their weird jealous feud, then things are much better. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: <laughs> I'll uh, I'll watch for that. Uh, we were talking last week uh, about an idea that we were, at least I was pretty excited about. I wanted to get your opinion. Two words, Voyager babies. What do you think?
2: So you mean like, are you? Do you mean like a a kids show about Voyager children, or do you mean the children of Voyager cat Voyager crew members?
0: Jay, well, I like your idea too. No, like Jim Henson's Voyager babies.
2: Okay, okay,
0: right. Yeah, that so could be interesting. Yeah, Janeway, she's slightly older. She's the kind of bossy one, right? And then it kind of goes down the line. You've got you know young Tuvok, uh, although not that young as well. And then <laughs> uh, Harry Kim's just a baby. He's just in a diaper. He's on the console just just sucking on a pacifier.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, there wouldn't be much difference with Harry Kim.
0: Yeah, pretty much. His character arc would be <laughs> exactly the same. Uh, well, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, just a little Trek news uh, talk before we get into tonight's episode. I'm sure that you guys have heard the news that two actors have been cast as regulars, presumably, for the upcoming Picard show.
1: I saw the news. I did not <laughs> read what actors they were. <laughs> but I was like, great.
0: Luckily, I can tell you, uh, it's actor Santiago Cabrera, he's been cast as a regular, and Michelle Heard has been cast as well. And they've both, I'm not super familiar with them, they've both done a lot of uh, TV episodic TV work uh, and a lot of kind of genre stuff. And nobody really knows who they're going to play. Uh, there was a, um, a list uh, of potential uh, characters that's been going around the internet. Uh, people think that possibly Cabrera will be playing the role of Lawrence, who is a pilot and he's described as a thief with a dodgy moral compass. And people think that herd will possibly be the role of Alana. She's described as a brilliant former intelligence officer with a history of personal and professional loss and substance abuse. So it seems like not every, not everything is going to be so bright and shiny in the uh, future of (laughs) Picard's future.
2: Well, I think they had pretty much already said that even from the very beginning when they first announced the show.
0: That Picard would be um, in a different place uh, than when he yeah. left. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Is there a future Trek project that you're particularly looking forward to, Dad?
2: Uh, well, uh, definitely the, as yet mostly unnamed, but possibly called Destiny Picard show. Right. Uh, I'm definitely really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to more Discovery, since Discovery has been renewed now. Uh, yes. I mean... Let's be honest, if it has Star Trek in the name, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> You're
0: there. It's a date. Ella, what about you? We've talked about this before, but have your opinions updated at all?
1: Um, I don't know if they've updated I'm still. I think I'm the most excited for Lower Decks.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah i'm I'm really excited to find out more about that as well um I read a thing with uh, Jonathan, Frakes, uh, Jonathan Frakes recently who said um that he'd seen like scenes or parts or maybe the script from it, and he says that it's really funny so if uh If number one says it's funny then that's enough for me mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, uh, let's get into uh, talking about the episode here. Uh, We've seen the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery, Season Two, If Memory Serves, and we're here to break it down for you. Before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for If Memory Serves is Spock and Burnham head to Talos IV, where the process of healing Spock forces the siblings to confront their troubled past. Stamets desperately tries to reconnect with an increasingly disconnected Hugh, while Tyler struggles to shed the crew's suspicions of him due to his past as Volk. This episode is written by Jay Beatty and Dan Dworkin. This is Beatty and Dworkin's first script for Trek. They also have a consulting producer credit for the episode Light and Shadows. And they've got a long career in television as a pr- partnership, writing and producing for shows such as Revenge, Matador, and Scream, the series. And the episode was directed by T.J. Scott. Scott also has a long career in television. He's directed on shows like Andromeda, Dark Matter, and Gotham. He also directed the Discovery season one episode The Wolf Inside. And let's uh, talk about theories uh, really quick. This is usually the part in the show where we kind of uh, check up on how we're doing uh, with some of the theories. Um, We can talk a little bit about the Red Angel, I guess, and uh, what we think is going on there. We get a pretty significant piece of the puzzle this week. In that uh, Spock mind melds, uh, or we see him mind meld with the Red Angel. And let's face it, Spock would mind meld if a tuna, with a tuna sandwich if he was bored. He mind melds with everything, but uh, it's true. he he seems to uh, determine that the mind of the Red Angel, at least, is human. Uh, what do you think that that could entail, Dad? Do you have any uh, favorite pet theories about who the Red Angel is?
2: So I still want it to be Future Guy from Enterprise, but it's not going to be.
0: Uh... <laughs> that would be that would be a, a strong connection. Yeah.
2: Um, the theory that I think is more likely is that it's future Burnham.
0: Future Burnham?
1: Really?
2: I Burnham- don't know. It's just something that it, okay, so we know the angel is female, or at least we strongly suspect. We know the angel is human, or at least we strongly suspect. Right. I kind of feel like it's Burnham going back in time to, like, make things better than they were.
0: Uh, Burnham in, in like a, like an endgame situation, like she has lived through the kind of crappy future that they see, and so she has attained this technology and tried to go back and and change it.
2: Possibly, or it might be a self determination thing, like Burnham, like maybe Red Angel Burnham remembers the Red Angel coming back and knows that she has to go back and do it, otherwise it won't happen.
0: Okay, I like that. That's cool. Um, kind of a Bill and Ted thing. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, what about uh, what about you, Ella? You've had a lot of time to think about um,
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very floored by the idea that it's Michael. Um, but it makes sense, right? Because it's like so much of the stuff is like stuff that, she, like, she was alone in the in the wilderness of Vulcan, right? So right. But um, no, I don't know. I was very shocked that spock was just like well <laughs> you're here i'm here like let's go
0: yeah uh, no kind of worse than um, feature yeah right <laughs> i uh i think it's take i mean where, where's she <laughs> she's, she's she's really good at cobbling things together right like good with technology so maybe she says wow this crew's really screwed up i better do something and runs off and builds some uh, suit and figures it all out She seems to be a real handy person.
1: That would be like literally best case scenario.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, put me in for that. Something else I wanted to (laughs) talk to you guys about as experts is I wanted to get the the timeline right. I mean, this is a historic episode, of course, because we see Talos IV and the Talosians who appeared in the original unaired pilot for Star Trek, the cage, which of course was adapted into the two part of the menagerie for the first season of TOS. And I've seen a lot of people online saying, okay, I'm watching the menagerie, I'm boning up, I'm doing my homework, I'm watching the cage, and that's great. But I'm also seeing a lot of people who aren't totally clear on the overall timeline of how the cage, the menagerie, and this episode now, if memory serves, stack up. And you, Thad, thou art the man who can set people straight. We're not shaming anyone. We just want everybody to get where we're at so they can enjoy what's going on and how important it is. So what's the sequence of events from what we've seen?
2: Well, Discovery is in between The Cage and The Menagerie. The Cage happened a few years ago. Now we have Discovery. And then in, like, slightly less than ten years, we'll have The Menagerie, which will show flashbacks of The Cage.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, That's how I understand it. Um, Also, I had a question, too. So The Cage has always had a weird position in continuity in that, of course, it was used to make The Menagerie but was never officially aired. But it's pretty much generally held up as canon i mean we have an entire series of discovery that basically treats it as canon but what do you think about like the last couple minutes of the cage wherein we see vena get you know a a dream version of pike to live with that scene is obviously repeated in you know quote-unquote real time in the menagerie but do you think that the last couple minutes of the cage are canon as well
2: well I, i always assumed they were uh it seemed interesting though because in this episode Pike seemed unaware of Dream Pike.
0: Right. And it's also confused a little bit more because Vina makes it fairly clear that, that you know, she did receive a, a Dream Pike, and so we can assume that that happened for her. But the fact that Pike is ignorant of it, yeah, that does seem weird. Yeah. So it's just cast into even more doubt, which is why canon is a dirty word, and you can't trust it. Who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you guys think about the Federation having a death penalty?
2: I've always thought it made no sense. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It seems to go against everything the Federation stands for. And in fact, last season, Admiral Cornwell says the Federation has no death penalty, which makes me wonder if that death penalty was instituted because of something that's happening this season.
0: I see. So, if it, OK, so it comes after. Interesting. Um, so they uh, they uh, they originate General Order seven. But maybe it's just you'll get in trouble and it isn't specific to a death penalty and that comes later. That would be an interesting regression. But, uh, but yeah, I could see that happening. Um, that was on uh, Enterprising Individuals recently. and We talked about a TNG episode that was specifically about the death penalty, <laughs> uh, the episode Justice. It's right in the title. Uh, and it's also an episode with a lot of original series DNA in it, uh, having been written by John D.F. Black and Worley Thorne. And in that episode, Picard's pretty down on the idea of execution in that episode. Um, so, I mean, it seems clear that, you know, by the time we reach TNG, opinions will be totally different, no matter what happens or may not happen after this episode.
2: Yeah, as far as I know, the menagerie is the only time in Star Trek th- that we reference a Federation death penalty. Yeah.
0: Um, who do you think deserves death more, a trespasser on Talos or a kid who falls into a flower bed? <laughs>
2: Well, Wesley's more annoying, especially in season
0: one, so probably him.
1: Wow. Ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Just humming for Will Wheaton out of the gate. Yeah,
0: yeah, Wesley, don't call him as a character witness. That's not going to help you at all. <laughs> well, uh, as far as new theories go, um, before we get to the real meat of the episode, uh, we get another flash this week of Arium and her magic eyes. So uh, what's going on with Dr. Robot? That's what I want to know.
2: Well, she set up Ash.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: For sure, yes.
0: <laughs> and I like the idea... I love that. I like the idea, too, that our favorite, like, former Klingon, you know, is is, is doing his best. Uh, he's been combative, and that's, I think, speaking of character witnesses, worked against him. But it's like, it's not my fault, come on! Like, he was the perfect person to set up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, she totally okay. did. Uh, it wasn't, if and if it wasn't already obvious, they, like... Focused in on her eyes and made them flash right after it happened. Right, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) And uh, we'll talk about it a little later. uh, When we talk about what's coming up next week, we definitely see some stuff going on there, too. So what Mm -hmm. were your general impressions? What you guys think of If Memory Serves? Thad, what what'd you think?
2: I think I may have a new favorite episode of the season. I I need to watch it again to be sure. Sure. Uh, But up until this point, uh, New Eden had been my favorite of the season, and I think I
0: like this one a little more. Okay, Interesting um ella
1: uh me too i think it's gonna be my favorite and you can't my say favorite. that every week i'm gonna no but this week is the one okay this week is it because of the intro
2: yeah i know how <laughs> yeah. awesome was that
1: amazing oh i like i was literally for a second like i clicked the show am i like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it killed me.
0: That was that was really great. And I this was not... Um, I did enjoy this a lot. It was not my favorite uh, episode. I can say that um, with authority. But that was a very special moment. And I think that we knew that they knew that it was important. I mean, as fans, we yeah. definitely think it's important. But I like the fact that they their cap to that with that previously on Star Trek and it reminds me and we're doing it again uh, of something in Farscape where uh at the very last episode of Farscape before they were cancelled uh this is before the movie came out, they said previously on Farscape, and then they showed. A single frame or maybe a couple frames from every single episode so it's just this rush of four years of images and then they finally say <laughs> and finally on Farscape for their last episode so anyway it's kind of what it reminded me of uh, you think about like the, what's the longest jump cut in movie history they say you know it's the eight the <laughs> throwing the bone up in 2001 you know and then it becoming a spaceship like, yeah. this is like a huge jump <laughs> from 1965 or whatever it was until now yeah I thought that was really great. Yeah, it's t-
2: literally referencing the oldest produced piece of Star Trek in the newest produced piece of Star Trek.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, shut it down. Shut it all down. We did it. We're done. <laughs> uh, as the episode opens, um, we so Leland is talking to a group of admirals, um, and it's always interesting to see them introduce kind of new characters, even if they're background characters. But I thought that this was kind of weirdly... Uh, possibly suggestive. Like, is this like a cabal, you think, of bad admirals that he's talking to? Like, why is he, as a Section 31 guy, specifically talking to these people?
2: I thought that was cool. It could very well be a group of bad admirals. What I thought was <laughs> really cool about this scene, though, is that there was there were four admirals, and they each represented the four founding member species of the Federation.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. That was uh we had a Telarian uh and a uh, Andorian and a Vulcan and then we had a guy I don't know if you saw the guy in the back but he looks like Admiral Squiggy like he had this little like thing of hair coming down his <laughs> forehead. I didn't know what they were going for, but it reminded me of Squiggy. <laughs> um yeah, that was really neat. So I again, they just kind of throw admirals in and out um you know, last season and I think one or two episodes this season we had the um the Vulcan uh Admiral the bald guy. So I just I, don't, I didn't know if we were going for like a kind of X-Files thing, like these are the guys like behind, you know, the Section 31 or something. But that was a suggestion that I kind of got from it. Um, let's talk about the big thing here, of course, the big one, um, Talos IV. Um, our uh, characters Burnham and Spock, of course, go there. I love the uh, Interstellar shout out. I assume that's what it was when they uh, originally get there and they think it's a black hole and of course um they don't want to fly uh into it and then spock flies them into it but it just it, the visuals of it reminded me a lot of uh, gargantua from interstellar
2: i hadn't even thought of that
0: seeing that kind of I'm, I'm trying to think of like how we've represented black holes in the past um like a warped star field or maybe just a, a black hole but post interstellar they seem to have that you know the accretion disk and that sort of look uh from the uh from the black hole in the uh, in movie Interstellar. So if that's what they were doing, um, kudos. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, we get to Talos 4 and we see Talosians, and we specifically, you don't get this necessarily visually, but I was watching with the uh, closed captioning on, and we see that there are male Talosians and female Talosians, which I thought was an interesting choice. Um, I mean, as people know, like the primary... Uh, Telosians in the cage were played by women, uh, voiced by men, to give an unsettling effect. Also, the Telosians are an atrophied race who have kind of moved beyond you know, the physical form, so possibly they're asexual. But this establishes that there are male and female, technically, uh, Talosians.
2: Here's a question: Do the Telosians even have physical form, or do they just make us think they have physical form?
0: If they if they did, why would they pick that form? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> there are no hat stores on Telos Four. Yeah, um, maybe they do. Maybe they because really, we've only seen them meet humans and one Vulcan. So maybe they scan our minds and they think, what are these guys impressed by? Guys in pool covers yeah, with huge head. heads. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and get the real, get the throbby veins in there. Get that. That's what people want. Um, what I want to know is, have the Talosians been adding to their menagerie? You know, they let Pike go because humans, you know, apparently have a, a hatred of captivity. But do they still draw <laughs> in people who uh, happen across their planet?
2: I'm assuming they do because yeah, they, they're right. trying to find people to help restore the planet. And they need people. They They say in the cage that he's doomed them to death by not staying. So I imagine right. they're still looking for people.
0: Telos needs moms, right? <laughs> uh, I wonder so why are they helping uh Spock in this case? Do they they've seen what's in his mind and they too fear uh the eradication of all life in the galaxy, I guess?
1: I guess? Yeah, like they know they know what he knows
0: and mm. he knows
1: they know what he knows. Yeah. And they know uh. he knows.
0: They know. Stop! 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 he know? They know. He
2: knows. They know.
0: I don't know if he knows if they know that he knows that they know. Uh, that's all I can assume. Uh, there's lots of great Easter eggs here. You know, of course, we get a nod to the singing plants, <laughs> and uh, that
1: was Burnham. So cute. Burnham
0: almost replicates exactly uh, Spock's action yeah. in the cage. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Vina appears, uh, played by Melissa George, which that was the big surprise to me. Did, did was there an announcement that she would be in this season? I don't believe. I don't so. know. Yeah, I, didn't... I was. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead.
2: I was like probably about fifty percent expecting, or I guess expecting a fifty percent chance that there would be vena in this episode because I feel like it would have been really weird if there wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't think there was any announcement.
0: Um cuz she is a i mean i'm not sure that she's super famous but she's done a lot of um work uh like in bbc shows and some movies and stuff like that so that to me that's like on the level of a rebecca romaine like we got rebecca romaine um getting a melissa george is kind of a big deal too so c- clearly they wanted to make that something of a surprise Um, Not having her. Yeah, I I agree that that would have been weird. Um, Discovery has definitely worn its heart and everything else on its sleeve. And I think that you could have made a case for them to, you know, if Spock could just be like, "Uh, there was a woman named Vina here. Is she around? Uh, She's doing something else. She's feeding the chicken or something like that. (laughs) Um, But Discovery wouldn't do that. They're like, you know what you're here for. You're here for big heads. You're here for guys in silver pool covers. You're here for, uh, you know, Vina uh so you're here for
1: pointy metallic stilettos right
0: we gotta bring all you're here for singing blue plants. singing plants do it yeah the whole thing (laughs) we just uh, unfortunately we don't have susan oliver but we can we can do one better on that so Um, Let's uh, take a break real quick before we talk about the end of the galaxy and talk about our new segment. Uh, We've actually been doing it, but now it's uh, concreted as a segment called Now What? Where Captain Pike incredulously (laughs) finds out another secret that his crew has been hiding from him. Every single week this happens. (laughs) He should just line everybody up (laughs) and ask them point blank, what are you hiding? Detmer? Owo? Anything you want to tell me? Computer? (laughs) I hate scanning things. Okay, computer, now we've got that out of the way. Okay. Uh, tonight he finds out about the former relationship between Tyler and Burnham, which until he had mentioned it, I'd kind of forgot about. I mean, Tyler has his hands full this week with Pike and Culber, but what do you? How do you think that he really feels about Burnham at this point?
1: How Pike feels about
0: Burnham? No, no, t- uh, Tyler.
1: Um
2: complicated
1: they seem <laughs> complicated but they seem chill right like when they were like um friendly exes they were talking well yeah when he was on chronos they were talking like they still they seemed like, like weirdly close i feel like they're chill i don't know
0: yeah dad you get that impression
1: like he in that
2: scene yes when he was on chronos and they were but then when they've interacted a bit on the discovery it was a little more awkward but that's understandable. Yeah. I I think yeah mostly they're okay but it is obviously complicated.
0: Yeah, and I wonder as but well. Ash is like Oh, I'm he's sorry. He's like you, all in
1: ahead. on like trusting Michael. Yeah. He's like, "Oh yeah, I trust Michael more than anything."
0: Yeah, yeah, he definitely trusts her yeah. and I'm not 100% sure on exactly how much time has passed since the first season, but he's you know, he's he was involved with uh, Laurel, you know, up until like shortly. And he's definitely people question his, you know, his nature, his uh, sort of dual sided nature. But he seems more centered. I just feel like in the first season, if Burnham was in trouble, he would have been freaking out and like, we we got to go. We got to go get her. Like, we got to help out. Oh, and definitely. In this And this yeah. he's just like she she's got it. She's got it. Also. I don't, she's, she'll she'll yell at me if I run in and try to help her like she definitely <laughs> she's got it so we don't have to mess with that at all
1: that's what he should have said to Pike He should have said exactly what he was thinking It's like yeah. I mean you can try it but like she'll be mad dude yeah.
0: she's not gonna like that uh okay, so let's talk about uh the end of the universe or at least all sentient life in the galaxy uh we find out that uh I think as we had speculated last week uh Ella that uh Spock's got a time mind he's got time brain he's got Uh, these uh these thoughts and these visions in his head that uh don't fit with uh logic or continuity uh which we do every day as uh sci-fi fans but anyway whatever spock and so (laughs) he's got to go to talos and get this worked out and in his visions we see um (laughs) i don't know how else to describe them but we see these kind of like squid things like these squid bots or squid ships um later on uh, cephalopods Cephalopods, yeah. Tilly does describe them as cephalopods, so that's what we're supposed to think. I don't know if you guys uh, have played the uh, game Mass Effect uh, for the PC or Xbox or a PlayStation, but they remind me of Reapers from that game. I've been meaning to play that. Oh, well, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's the overarching enemy. I
1: haven't played. (laughs) Yeah, but I know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) The overarching enemy in Mass Effect is a race of uh, machine lifeforms called the Reapers, and their goal is to essentially wipe out all organic life in the universe. So I got like a strong Reaper vibe from these guys.
1: Yeah, I don't know what else. I'm having trouble of thinking of something else besides the Borg that's so like overwhelmingly like, oh yeah, we're going to do this to everyone. Everything will be gone, you know?
0: Yeah. Can you speculate about what their purpose might be in wanting to eliminate all, all life?
1: I mean, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think if I, if I were going to eliminate all life, (laughs) what would my motive be? (laughs) And I feel like it would have to be something dumb. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think um, Thad, Thad and I talked about godlike Aliens on that Justice show, too, I think. <laughs> and um, we were talking about how their motivations are often unknowable, unless they are John Delancey and they just come out and tell you. Uh, you guys, you think you're, you know, you think you're hot shit, but you're not. So I wonder if it's it, like like you said, Ella, if it's like a Borg type thing where they have some kind of directive or if they you know, are some kind of superior race and they're just trying to assert themselves or, or what it could be. I also think it's kind of weird that clearly this is the big threat. And I know that the show, as a sci-fi show in, on modern TV, wants to keep things back from us, but it's kind of weird that we're just now finding out that this is the big the big yeah. bad, the big issue in the, in the season. Yeah. Also,
1: does, like... Go ahead. No, you go. Well,
0: no, go ahead. No. <laughs> Ella, go. <laughs> um, would,
1: it be, would it be too lame if, like, I hadn't felt like, what if this, like, that technology is just, like, left over from something else? Like, it's all, like, there's no people on there. You know what I mean? It's just, like, a bunch of weapons that are just, like, the wheels are still turning. Oh.
2: That's, like, another season one TNG episode. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. It's not, like, a full threat. You know? It's just, like, a, yeah, it's, like, a season one TNG
0: episode. (laughs) Um... Arsenal of Freedom with Vincent Chiavelli, yeah. right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> one of the like three bers- times that they separate the saucer,
0: right? Right, okay. yeah. Uh, berserker probe situation—that's interesting. I, I wonder, yeah, because I'm always thinking about like what they're trying to say. Because you know, Good Trek is trying to say something, so I wonder mm-hmm. who then would be responsible for that. You know, like in an act of hubris, yeah. they created some kind of super machine. Uh, maybe it's mm-hmm. um, the machine descendants of Arium. Maybe she turns <laughs> into some kind from of uh Robo queen, yeah, and like <laughs> splits off oh, God and, like a brainiac situation,
2: so last week, I was thinking that Arium was gonna turn into Zora from the short trek Calypso. Ah, okay. I'm not so sure about that anymore, I don't know,
0: uh <laughs> I can see that though
2: uh so, as far as what's going on, okay, so the squid things are obviously the same thing that came back and attacked the shuttle last week, yeah. uh. And they said that was 500 years in the future, which (laughs) we're coming back. We're coming back to my future guy theory. (laughs) at the same time period that the future guy was sending his messages to
0: the Suluban from. Yeah, right. A temporal Cold War War thing.
2: Right. So, again, they're probably not going to. Tie this into the temporal cold But War if they are though, but I feel like they've they but they are doing a good job of making it look like they might. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you think it's a campaign of kind of misinformation using what we know about ex, uh, pre-existing canon?
2: I have trouble believing that they're actually going to tie that in because
0: that's some three-dimensional because, chess.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think they want to reference that because. Well, yes, there are lots of Star Trek fans who know all about that. There are also a lot of Star Trek fans who never watched Enterprise or only watched a little Enterprise. Enterprise is not does not have the same resonance in the <laughs> canon as TOS. Right. <laughs> so I have, I feel like I personally like Enterprise, but that's I don't think they're gonna do that. <laughs>
0: What if it's come for the TOS, stay for the Enterprise? What if they're hooking people with the Captain Pike and then they're going to trick you into um, liking, you know, a connection between this era and the Enterprise era?
2: So would you say they took a long road to get from there to here?
0: (sighs) All right. We got to end this show right now. (laughs) Uh, Possibly. Yeah. I guess I would say that <laughs> if I was an asshole. <laughs> um, I, this is my new favorite theory. Uh, I actually would really uh, like to see that happen because I'm, yeah, all right, we've all made mistakes, but I'm tired of uh, Enterprise being the redheaded stepchild of the canon. Uh, bring it in. That's what I say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: As the uh, yeah the most time traveliest one of all, uh, definitely let's uh, let's talk about the soap opera aspects of the show this week and the relationships that are uh, going yes. on or, or coming apart. Uh, we see um, continued tensions between uh, Culber and Stamets, uh, as far as them uh, Culber trying to settle into his life and Stamets being just a little too sort of attentive and probably um, off putting for him. Uh, trying to get him back in. I noticed. Uh, I think this has got to be a choice. But Colbert always wears white in his medical uniform, and he's wearing a black yeah. like jumper now. So this is this is the uh, the other side of Colbert
2: Yeah. No. And this was uh, forecasted last week. And in the in the the last couple episodes, we've seen uh, Culber definitely is acting as if he's not in the same place in his life. So I. I I was expecting a confrontation like this to happen.
0: Yeah, and in Definitely. true yeah, in true form to discovery, they don't waste any time. They get right to it. You know, last week you kind of wonder, boy, that'll be weird sharing a ship with Tyler. And this week it's like, come on, let's do this right now. You know, uh, high school. It's like cafeteria cafeteria, cafeteria fight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, also,
1: I. I love the room. <laughs> Yeah,
2: what was that?
1: So Let just, them like, fight. <laughs> rest, like, it's like, first he was like just angry. He was like rage guy on the bridge, and now he's like calm rage sensei. And he's like, this just has to play out. Yeah. They have to get it out. Let him go. <laughs> They're men.
2: Yeah, I was totally chilly in that
0: scene where she's like, Are you sure? Uh, is this a- Right. So he's, like, so
1: he's like, Is this allowed?
0: Is this like. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We got a line last week, I think it was, about, uh, hey, let's not have this macho bullshit. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're going to yeah. do some macho bullshit.
1: Oh, bull- we're going to have it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but I mean, also, what do you do? You There's
1: guys, no. Like, so go ahead. I want them to be best friends. I want yeah, them to be best friends be. because who else is he going to turn to?
0: Of course they will be.
1: Like, when I thought he was just going to walk over and sit down at his table, like, like, nothing had happened and just start talking to him. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, he's going to punch him. And then I was like, no, now they're going to talk. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to fight. And then I was like, oh, they're going to stop fighting, and now they're going to be friends. And then, like, Ash left. And I was like, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely – I mean, first of all, like, what do you do? There's no Hallmark card for sorry I broke your neck. But we, <laughs> oh my we definitely – We're trying to we're trying to indicate a huge change in the personality here of Culver because he's been such a gentle kind of person before. And now he's just like, what's up? Let's do this. (laughs) So, yeah, that is um, definitely strange and something to watch. And again, we get that scene. My favorite part was the scene in the turbo left after where Pike's like, "Okay, you did what? (laughs) This is something else about my crew now that I have to look out for. You're just going to let him fight. okay?"
1: also i just love ash like he's like using the voice you would use if there was like a bear near you <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean he's just like i am sorry i don't expect you to understand <laughs> you know right, right it wasn't me
0: <laughs> it would have been really bad if he had accidentally slipped into uh Volk voice at that point
1: oh my god he's i'm like sorry Klingon. <laughs> oh my god
0: you're gonna die
1: dead
0: on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also like the fact that we saw janitor robots. That's what those were, right? While they're uh, sitting and talking. <laughs> yeah. after the, th- Yeah. Uh, we always wonder, like, who cleans up in the Star Trek universe? And I think this is the first time that we've seen, oh, little floating robots come and pick everything up. So, okay, that makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I've speculated about Starfleet Roombas before on uh, Delta Flyer. Yes. There you and, go. Yeah. Now we know. Yep. They've got them. <laughs>
0: Um, let's talk about, we're just going from strength to strength here, let's talk about the relationship between Michael and Spock and we uh, see the incident that we, well we see two incidents, we see the uh, visitation of the Red Angel to Spock as a child and then we see the rift uh, that uh, or the start of the rift between the two of them uh, when they are young and um, the first is interesting because it appears that the Red Angel's visions aren't necessarily uh, Deterministic, like what will come to pass, they are in you know, a possible alternate futures, which is interesting um and the second was of course <laughs> it's it's almost as huge as just the Talos four thing is that it's basically giving us like the underlying reason why Spock ultimately turns to his Vulcan side for the life of the character, like what did you guys think about them taking a stand like that
1: I <laughs> I cried. I'm not afraid to
0: admit it. Okay, all right, it's very
1: brave. Was a moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do think they're both. I they're both being a little overdramatic about it. Like, but I don't. I don't expect really anything less from them. Like, or from Spock, because I feel like he does a lot of like, oh well, if you're gonna say that, then we won't speak for ten years.
0: Right. Type
1: stuff um
0: you don't need to have emotions to be drama yeah for sure
1: yeah exactly but then at the end he was like no i know exactly what you were doing i just didn't like it or like whatever
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was very touching it was and i have to imagine that deep down spock probably already had figured that out a long time ago yeah even before she showed him the memory that he probably had figured out that she didn't really, that she had done that to keep him away, not to oh, insult, yeah. not to hurt him and not to actually say which. like, I'm sure it still hurt, but I just feel like a, a person like Spock would have done the self-reflection and realized as he got older, he's like oh, she was probably just pushing me away for my safety
0: yeah um I agree with that, and I don't know, I think I probably also need to watch it again and, and take time to kind of process it, but it, I, I feel like I didn't quite buy it. Like, I bought th- their motivations, and I bought what the characters were feeling, but I felt like they were trying to, much in the same way that you were talking about trying to tie um, Enterprise, you know, in the Temporal Cold War into Discovery, I felt like they were trying to finally cement uh, Michael in the canon you know, in a way that was indelible and also explain why, you know, we haven't heard of her. And again, Canon, dirty word. It's not really my point. I just with 50 years of a character and then her being like, and the reason he did all that is because I said he was a freak. It was like, I'm not sure that I totally (laughs) uh, swallowed that, but if he was going to kind of do that anyway, but he also just used that as as an excuse to be petty because again, you don't need emotions to be petty. (laughs) Sure.
1: Can we just? I need a moment for the little cherub who plays young Spock. I feel like we talk about him every time he <laughs> yeah. has one on screen, but he's still so precious. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. He is. He is very super precious. Um, and I mean that's the way you want to go. I don't know how you would find. Get me a little Leonard Nimoy. Like I don't. You don't want that. <laughs> get <laughs> <He> a.
1: Has, <laughs> Small, angry child.
0: Yellow skinned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give, me, give me a cute kid, not not some jaundiced uh, tot. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to touch upon that we haven't talked about yet?
2: I should have seen the illusion at the end coming, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. thought Section Thirty-One actually did beam them up.
0: Yeah. Once the Talosians are involved, you can't trust anything. You see. I thought it was interesting that we got, and this is just a little drop, but it's, like, huge ramifications, that apparently Giorgio killed the M- Miritolosians. <laughs> they're all gone in the Mirror Universe.
2: <laughs> that doesn't, that didn't surprise me in the slightest. Who
1: yeah. hasn't she killed in the Mirror yeah. Universe? Every like, week she's like, well, uh, they're all dead. Every so... <laughs> aside's
0: gonna, oh, Q? Yeah, killed him. Yeah, no big deal. Because
1: mm-hmm.
2: she blew up the Klingon Homeworld. She destroyed Mintaka 3 for some reason. Right. Uh... <laughs> I guess maybe she. I guess maybe they told her she was God, and she didn't like that. I don't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Know. Ray Ray Wise looked at her funny, and she's yeah, blow up the planet.
2: Um. So yeah, it's just like she just kills everyone.
0: <laughs> is I, I I got a question. Um. Is the blonde engineer that we see is that the woman that played arium in the first season?
2: I believe so.
0: I think so to uh,
2: sarah Mitic is her yeah, name
0: yeah
2: because she was we did see her in as a blonde engineer in the first episode of the season when they were setting up the uh anti-grav thing to catch the dark matter asteroid
0: right right
2: she was one of the people that was setting that up and was so i and she looked familiar here so i i, I think it's the same person
0: okay I'd have to see her like have her move her head and make some lightsaber sounds and maybe I'll match it up. <laughs> I also really liked the fact I, I they didn't have to do a connection between like Vena meeting Pike, but they did and I think they handled it well. Like how do you have a connection between them but not spoil, you know, their reunion Um, to 10 or whatever years later uh, in the menagerie. And I thought they did a good job with that, having her be present. And also just practically, it was kind of cool. Like, what's your problem? Like, we can't communicate with anybody without Section 31 tapping in. So the Talosians give them like a mind connection. And I thought it was really neat how the sort of last third of his uh, ready room became like a big you know TV where where he could just talk to them. Like, I thought that was a really, visually, that was very striking.
1: Yeah, and Anson Mount's performance was like stunning
0: (laughs) you can see or i I can yeah yeah i can see now why they cast him as a guy that wouldn't talk at all in uh, in (laughs) humans because he could communicate so subtly like you know what's going on with him even as pike he has to maintain composure uh yeah he's doing a really Mm -hmm. great job um Uh, can we
1: talk about how it was how this episode was shot did you guys like? I feel like there were just lots of. Well, there were lots of really wide angles that were, and I get for the when they're doing the illusion stuff, the weird wide angle weird stuff yeah. is like, fantastic. Normal, I want it, I understand, but like even like in the turbo lift, there would be like this wide angle shot that was like distorting the edges of the characters, or like, um, they did a, they had a lot of really weird angles, like close-up angles on um, Georgiou. And then they were also really tight on Stamets and Colbert when they were fighting. Like, there was just lots of weird stuff. And I couldn't really figure out what – like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I couldn't figure out what it was trying to, like, say. I
0: don't know
1: if it's because (laughs) –
0: Trying to communicate, um, you know, intensity, uh, you know, kinetic motion. I noticed that there was even in like the scene where um, he's uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name Stamets is trying to just like serve him some soup, and they kind of start to get in a fight. There is like eight cuts <laughs> from the time that Culper like yeah. yells at him, gets up, and then walks out the door. So yeah, I mean, they're just um, you know just doing TV stuff, I guess.
1: I just thought it was very like this episode particularly stood out to me with the 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 way it was shot I don't know why I don't know if I just I don't know I don't know if I was just still like I have today is when I have all my film seminars I don't know if I just <laughs> for some reason hadn't quite thrown the mindset away yet but it was like and then it would be there were lots of like those weird lens players and just like weird stuff and I just felt like there was something there but I don't really know what it is <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, I noticed uh, the wide angles in the Tolosian things, especially uh when we were seeing Spock's memory in the uh, uh uh asylum. But other than that, I didn't even I didn't realize. I am sure they were there. It's just something that like just went right over my head.
0: I for for good or bad, um I did think that this was pretty well directed um specifically mm-hmm. because there's a lot of scenes where we're trying to communicate very strange ideas. The fact that we're yeah. standing here, but we're also in an illusion. People in the illusion are in the illusion, but they're talking to people who are there, but not there. The thing with the young Burnham and Spock fighting and then being replaced by the adults, and, which was clearly like a, a strong choice. And I thought that was handled really well. Maybe it's just because like I'm a veteran sci-fi watcher, like I get like what's going on. But I think even if you weren't, um, it was very well communicated. So good job. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Okay. Uh, well, I think we are hit... Uh, we're at that point in the show where we look forward, and I guess it's a good idea to ask, what's coming up? Uh, what are the lights? Who's the angel? How is Spock involved? Is uh, Dr. Robot going to need a reboot? What's coming up on the next uh, uh, episode of uh, Discovery?
1: Um, well, I, I think... think... <laughs> oh,
0: go <ahead. laughs> Not everybody wants. Uh,
1: I think... I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about Ariel
0: <laughs> Yeah. It, well, in true discovery like, form, it looks like we're not going to have to wait yeah. long to find out what's going on with that.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. We don't know her quite well enough for me to know that she's safe. And even, you know, like, I'm like, oh, you're kind of like, you're just on the bridge. Like, we all know you and we all know your name now. But like... <laughs>
2: yeah i'm I don't think they're gonna kill her, but that's possible I suppose
0: I hope not. I'm really tantalized at the idea that we'll get to learn something about her like I don't <laughs> it's such a you know we knowing what we know about androids, artificial intelligence, and complicated subjects in the world of trek, and to me, she just seems like like a line item on a brainstorming list of like character ideas? Robot girl. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm really excited for them to show us that they clearly are going somewhere and they have a great concept for her. And I don't expect them to just stop everything and just tell me what it is. But in an episode like this, hopefully we'll get to you know learn more about her. I'd like to see her go through a transformation maybe like Saru, like an evolution. That seems to be leveling yes. up the characters seems to be something that Discovery is really interested in. An upgrade. Uh, that
1: too. Yes.
0: Uh, well, she's currently uh, Arium
2: 2.0. Make her Arium 3.0. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Arium uh, Vista, but not that, though. Um, and then also we're heading to uh, Section Arium 31's... ME. <laughs> God, the worst. Just jettison <laughs> her right now. Yeah. Uh, it looks like we're <laughs> heading to uh, Section 31's headquarters next week.
2: Yeah. So I've been thinking, as far as Section 31 goes... That at some point there's got to be something that happens that makes Section Thirty One get officially disbanded because they're basically like at this point they're like the they're like the CIA everybody yeah. knows about them yeah and we know in the twenty fourth century that's not the case right that they're like the secret CIA in the twenty fourth century no one knows <laughs> about them yeah. uh, and so I'm thinking there's got to be this. Whatever's happening next week or a continuation of that, Section Thirty-One is gonna dr- gonna cross the line and they'll be officially disbanded by the Federation. I think.
0: So, do you think because it seems like Leland is really bad at his job, and when uh, <clears throat> Giorgio kills him, it will be totally deserved? Do you think Giorgio then will possibly be like the the patron saint or like the J. Edgar Hoover of the new version, the new secret version of Section Thirty-One?
2: Yep and i think that that's going to set up that new show perfectly
0: nice oh i'm down ella hell yeah <laughs> she's in <laughs> uh yeah and as far as like <laughs> i again i'm the guy who says the canon's a dirty word here's the third time i'm going to mention canon it it, it does seem strange like somebody like um like captain pike uh, who is a storied you know, Captain in in Starfleet. You know, I like the fact that we get a captain's log from him, but he specifically mentions thirty-one. And captain's logs must be like historical documents. Do you know what I mean? They're like like the Constitution. Right. Like other captains must look at them. So, so that's... Either, either at some point yeah. everybody just believes that they're gone and and they'll they'll never come back. And of course they do. Mm-hmm. Or section thirty-one, you know, sends a virus into the web to erase like all. Uh, you know, the goodbye virus from, uh, Batman, uh, Dark Knight Rises or whatever.
2: I'd You're believe like a listening. combination <laughs> of the two actually.
0: <laughs> oh, both honestly. Of them. Yeah. So I'm thinking at some
2: point 1631 is going to get disbanded. Officially, the Federation is going to order their dissolution. They're not actually going to go away, but they'll be working in secret from then on. Right. And they will work to eliminate all rec- record of them so that, as time goes on fewer fewer people will even remember they existed
0: i can see that
1: Um, yeah like you're listening to captain pike's logs and it's just like and today redacted it did redacted (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) yeah right right yeah (laughs) i could see that happening well, uh, I think, well, we went, went away is here, but I think we got it all. So let will bring it to a close, and that's it for our show this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, I want to say if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates, and to get notified when both episodes of Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. We also got a discussion group on Facebook called Enterprising Interlocutions, which you can find by searching or by going to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod. Uh, it's a group where we go deeper into the kinds of discussions and speculation you've heard tonight. You can also tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at eistpod at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show, give us a rating and a review because it really helps us out. Also, uh, we've got some merch. You can check out our t-shirts that are available on our Tee Public store. Search for Just Enough Trope on T Public. That's our parent network for our snazzy wear. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Discovery will return on March 14th for the next episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. That episode is entitled Project Daedalus, and it was written by the newly announced co-showrunner for Season 3, Michelle Paradise, and it's directed by Mr. Jonathan Frakes. You guys have any clues as to what Project Daedalus might be about?
1: I well,
2: don't.
0: What's the project? I
2: mean, we saw from the... from the As far as what Project Daedalus is... yeah uh i'm wondering if we're going to go back to the enterprise well again (laughs) yeah uh so there was a season four episode of enterprise that admittedly was not a very good episode (laughs) right uh called daedalus
0: yeah
2: uh and it was about the transporter and the inventor of the transporter whose name actually appears in the credits of discovery when they show the transporter, they actually say that it was designed by Emery, and I've forgotten his last name, but that's the guy from the, that episode of Enterprise.
0: And this is so, the thing where he's, like, his kid got beamed into subspace or something like that. He's trying to get him Right. Out. Yeah.
2: So I'm wondering if they're somehow going to tie that in, but again, probably <sighs> not, because that's
0: a it's deep It's so cut. explicit, though. Yeah. I don't know. Do
1: it. Do it.
0: <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Make Discovery the linchpin <laughs> that ties the whole thing together.
1: <laughs> Just me outside the writers' room yelling, "Cowards!"
0: <laughs> I want to see a young, <laughs> I want to see a young uh, Grand Nagus Zek, you know, making his first uh, dollar and putting it on the wall. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> everything connects together. <laughs> so ears, that would so be smooth.
2: Amazing. <laughs>
0: Well, hopefully that'll be true. We'll see. Uh, in the meantime, you can check out our main show at Enterprising Individuals at Enterprising dot com. Every Wednesday, I and a guest will discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek sphere, updates on Star Trek Discovery and interviews with special guests. And speaking of Enterprise, and we have a lot tonight, we just released our first episode about Star Trek Enterprise. It only took four years, but we did it. Uh, I have a conversation with Peter Byrne of Trek vs. Trek about a real cracker of an episode the episode Twilight and you can find conversations Mm -hmm. like that uh, Mm off-topic rants DS9 and Voyager episode recaps and more at our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EIST pod that thanks so much for joining us tonight where can people find you online
2: Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Tyrannicus that's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S and you can find my podcasts uh, Delta Flyer uh, where we're slowly working our way through voyager that's uh at delta flyer pod on twitter or available on any podcast device that you want to use uh the other show that i have is stargate weekly where we're doing the same thing just with stargate instead of star trek and that's at stargate weekly or again on any podcast player you want to use
0: awesome and ella thanks as always where can people find generations geek
1: GenerationsGeek.com and GenerationsGeek on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Yeah, definitely follow them on Instagram. Ella's got a lot of great pictures from England <laughs> and the uh, things that she's checking yeah. out there. Yeah, so that's it for us. Thanks for listening, and we are signing off. This is Aaron for Thad and Ella saying live long and prosper.